need to wind and slide, need to lose up. Have some wine and join us on the Whiny Palooza podcast with Rebecca Green. Welcome to the Whiny Palooza podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Green. I'm a wife, mother of three, and licensed clinical social worker. I also have three fur babies at home, too. My passion has always been to help children and their families. I always dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Parents are always learning through their struggles, failures, and successes and joys. I am no stranger to this wild ride of parenting, and I know behind every great parent lies a team of supportive friends and family. I want to be part of your support system. I want you to know that you are not alone. We are in this parenting world together. Join me every week for insightful discussions with experts on parenting and marriage, as well as other parents who have found the secret to successes in parenthood. You'll learn tips and tricks to make life with your family better than ever. I hope you will follow along with me while we dive into what it takes to achieve a happy family. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Green for the Whiny Palooza podcast, and I am so excited because I have the wonderful Julia Cook here with us today. Julia, thank you so much for doing this with me today. Oh, how fun. I'm excited. I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I want to, I want, oh, that's so sweet. I want to tell you a little bit about Julia. She is a nationally recognized and award-winning children's book author and parenting expert. The goal behind Cook's work is to actively involve young people in fun, memorable stories and teach them to become lifelong problem solvers. Inspiration for her books comes from working with children and carefully listening to counselors, parents, and teachers in order to stay on top of needs in the classroom and at home. Her new release, Herman Jiggle, Just Be You, is the fourth installment of the Socially Skilled Kids and helps kids embrace their differences and accept themselves for who they are. Well, I can't wait to learn all about you. You are a fascinating, amazing lady. So I'm going to start with what led you to become a children's book author and parenting expert, because I know you were a teacher and I know you've shifted. So I want to learn about this. Um, I was a middle school teacher and got a grad degree in counseling to become a better middle school teacher. And we moved to a town where they needed a school counselor and I had that degree. So I took that position and a couple years into my, um, teaching there, my counseling there, the kids were having issues with tattling and they were tattling so much. The teachers wanted to pull their hair out. And they said, do a lesson on tattling. We have this much to teach our kids and we have this much time to do it. And I had a grad teacher uh, that told me, if you want to get into a child's head, if you read to them, that's a great way to do it. And if the book has good stuff in it, then the good stuff will go into their brains and be there forever and ever. Mm. And she introduced us to books like, you know, Enemy Pie and the Rainbow Fish and Mean Jean the Recess Queen and, and, and so I love that concept. So I looked for a book on tattling. I thought I'll do a library of all the books and what they do. And there was nothing on tattling. So out of desperation, I wrote a story about a kid who tattled so much. He, you know, and um, the book worked. It just had four simple rules of how not to tattle. The tattle problem pretty much stopped. And this teacher busted in my office one day and said, you need to do something with this. 
So I grabbed a book off the shelf and called the publisher inside. And um, I, they, I said, I just wrote this book. I'm a school counselor. They said, send it in. We're looking for one. So I overnighted it on Monday and they called me on Wednesday and said, we want to publish your book. Do you have more? How much do I have to pay you? Oh, we'll pay you. And I said, and they said, do you have any others? I said, well, when I was little, I used to interrupt a lot. So much that my babysitter said, Julia, your mouth is a volcano. So I have that one. Uh, 17 years later, there are now 140 Julia cookbooks. There's nine languages and there's over 3 million sold worldwide. So kind of a weird deal. Oh my gosh. Well, that is wonderful. And there is such a need for this. And you're filling a need that we all have for these topics and books. So why don't we jump into your book since we're talking about them? Do you have your latest book to show us? Uh, the Herman Jiggle Just Be You. I yes. actually, I am sorry. I um this week I am painting. And oh, I, I have, forgot. I yes. have some props, but I don't have the actual title um, to hold up there. But, uh, you know, our kids, they want us to wave our magic wands and solve their problems for them. And if we solve their problems for them, they might live with us when they're 30. And oh, the goal yeah. is to get them out of the house and productive. And and we can't, we have to teach them how to solve the problems. So the books take the problem solving skills and put it in their heads in a fun way. Mm. So with Herman Jigal Just Be You, this little boy, they tease him about his hair because it sticks up. And then he, his his friend says, why haven't you lost any teeth yet? Don't you have any, you don't have any holes like everybody else. And then he says, you're really slow. You should run faster. So he goes home and he asks his mom if he can borrow the glue to glue down his hair. And then he's trying to get his teeth out and with a string. And then he, because he needs money so that the tooth fairy can come so he can buy some nitro flyer shoes like everybody else. And his mom says, let me get this straight. You want to glue down your hair, pull out your teeth and buy new shoes just so you can be like everybody else. Yes. Herman Jiggle, you are wonderfully made and valuable. Don't try to change your insides to match other people's outsides. And, you know, she says, your hair's unique. That's what makes you Herman. And you're the only kid in your class who hasn't lost a tooth. So you can eat corn on the cob without getting anything stuck in your holes. And, you know, and she tells him that, uh, that basically is you don't have to change because everybody's different. Now he goes back to school and everybody has Herman hair. They all put, we like our hair like yours and we wish we could climb like you. And, you know, and so it's one of those validating She And he says, but mom, sometimes I feel like I don't fit in. And she says, well, if you're yourself, you'll always fit in. Oh because my if you're yourself, you can be happy. And if you're happy, you always find a way to fit in. So Oh, I love that. We have so many kids that are that. trying to change to be like what, you know, whatever's cool or whatever. And they, they kind of, I mean, I, 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 there's some kids that are fists. Okay. They're solid. So if they take a hit, it bounces right off of them. Unfortunately, yeah. especially like with social media and so much image going on, some kids are spheres. And when they take a hit, they crunch and they deflate. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is you know, if you, you just have to be this person to create this solid sphere where I'm okay, you know? So, so let's jump into that because you talk about helping kids be confident in who they are. 
So how can, tell us how we can do that. How can we help our kids be more confident? We've always been taught to praise kids. Uh, oh, I'm so proud of you. Way to do this. <laughs> I can't believe, you know, that's wonderful. And ex and then when kids are online, like playing video games, that's an intrinsic reward. They're telling themselves how amazing they are. So here's your intrinsic reward and here's your, your extrinsic reward. It's much more effective to look at your child and say, wow, I sure am proud of you. I can only imagine how amazing you must be feeling right now. I can only imagine how proud of yourself you are. Wow, I can only imagine how tough that was. I bet you're feeling so tall right now. I bet you're standing so tall on the inside. And so you're like, yeah, I am. You know, you remind them of how you want them to feel with the only I can, I can only imagine you try to, you know, so that you, you, you picture in your brain, I'm inside their heart and how proud they should be because so much of our society is external that if you tap into that intrinsic reward, that's, that's, that's fair game. And it's very effective. Well, you're speaking to my heart because my son, he's 16 and he tells me that I'm I sorry. Him. I'm sorry. A 16 year old son. I've done that twice. That's fine. That's hard. <laughs> he, so he says that I praise him so much that it doesn't really it's, mean, doesn't mean much because mm -hmm. it's so often. So this is super helpful for me. You know, wow. I bet that made you feel great. I can only imagine how that made you feel inside. Well, I See mean, the I can ahead. only imagine how amazing you must be feeling on the inside so even if he doesn't think he's feeling amazing since you said that that's a that's a backdoor approach to yeah I am I love that more than you know and I needed to hear that it's going to help me with him and I'll tell you what other help we all need because I'm sorry they've all taken a hit since the pandemic with their people skills all of them and I'm still working on the people skills with my kids. So give us advice on how to improve our kids' people skills. Well, people, our kids are going to emulate what they see. Mm. So you can't expect your child to have, you know, a high-priced people skill set if, if you are not using those yourself. Um, that's, that's not the problem with me, I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, it, it, and it did, it did give us a hit, but it's also become a crutch. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I can't do that because of COVID, you know, In, instead say, well, we, we're behind the learning curve. I mean, your goal, it, parenting is the hardest job on the planet because kids don't come with instructions and what works for one doesn't work for another. And when your mama comes out of your mouth, it doesn't work on your kids because they're a different animal. Um, but it is, it, it, you know, our goal is, is that I kind of, I kind of think about it. Like you're, when you're raising kids, you're making cookies. Okay. And when they're little, you're putting in the salt and the nuts and there's a lot of nuts and, and chips <laughs> and everything. And you're mixing up the batter. You have control of everything that goes in the cookie and you have control of the cookies environment. Then you send them off to middle school. That's elementary. Then you send them off to middle and high school and they're in the oven you can't control the cookie, but you can control the environment. You can make sure they don't get too hot or burn or whatever. You can control the temperature. Then when they go to college, they're on the cooling rack. And the goal is we create a, um, a situation where our children are 
turn out to be such perfect cookies that people take a bite and they just want another bite and another bite. And they just love that cookie. They don't take a bite and say, oh, that's, I don't like that. That's nasty. Um, because you really have no control over the environment or the kid after they leave your house. But when they're in the, when they're in the oven, it's really tough to go back in and add the salt. See what I mean? Because yeah. that's, that ship has sailed. So these early years are so very important. And um, I always, I always told my kids, you know, I, I try to be an A parent. I expect you to be an A, A kid. <laughs> you I know? love that line. And I'm teaching you to live in a world where everybody's not going to be as kind and nice and sweet and love you as much as I do. So mm -hmm. um, you, know, you can always say, oh, I think you can do better. Let's do a redo on that people skill there, you know. And you can sit down and ask your kids, what are great people skills? What do you, when you see somebody, what are the things that you, wow, that person really, you know, and, and then you fill in the blanks, but you always ask them what they know too. You know, our kids, they'll text you their whole life story, but to go and, and say, hi, how are you? Can't do that because they're, you know, they don't feel comfortable talking to people. Did you go and apply for that job? Why email the guy? Well, did you go down and, and talk to him? No, I just send him a text, you know, very comfortable with text. But our kids have forgotten kind of how to talk and never, you never say, hey, what did you do at school today? Because they'll say nothing. Say, what was the best thing that happened to you today? What was the worst thing that happened to you today? What was your sprinkle? And that's kind of stupid, but that sprinkle is that ah moment that's so fun. And then you say your best those and questions. worst. I always say best thing, worst thing, and sprinkle. And that gives them a chance to talk, to practice talking, you know. Well, it's interesting because my son needed to call his internship to set up, you know, starting it. And he didn't know what to say. So it was a good opportunity for me to teach him some people skills that we don't think that they need. I'm like, oh, you just make a phone call, but they need to, sometimes they need to rehearse what they're going to say. You know, it used to be that our parents said this, that, you know, we do everything for you. We do everything for you. Well, now we still are doing everything for our kids, but they also have a wealth of knowledge that about the world and about events and about yeah. life and about people the digital knowledge and the digital knowledge is only single faceted because you can say whatever you want online and there's no consequences. Like if you were bullying somebody and the minute you saw that hurt in their eyes, that was gratifying to a bully and I'll stop, but I don't see that on a, online. So I can just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And it's, it's, mm. it's very tricky. It's yeah. Yeah, no, it, they're definitely living a more complicated childhood than we did. I remember sure. my, my grandpa saying, this new generation are going to ruin the world. And now I'm like 60 going, this new generation, I'm afraid for the world. And I'm thinking, maybe that's just the way it is. I don't know. Oh, but oh kids my gosh. Have, kids have, um, they're faced with adult problems because of technology often they're faced with adult problems in adult situations with only a child problem solving skill set, and that causes some issues there. Well, let's talk about problem solving skills because I think that that is the key to one of the biggest keys to life is helping our kids learn effective problem solving skills. 
So help us as parents teach, teach our kids better problem solving skills. Um, the, the thing you want with your kid, no matter what, is you want to create a relationship with them forever. And that doesn't mean you have to like them all the time. And it doesn't mean that they have to like you all the time because they won't. Uh, but as long as you can trust a person and talk to them and they can trust you and talk to you, that the relationship will work. But once trust is violated or communication is violated, the relationship fractures. So any relationship needs trust and communication. So in order to help our kids, I mean, it, it, that's such a wide topic, you know, big problems. But what starts out is, you know, how do we build this kid that's strong, that's that's capable? Well, this kid knows that unconditionally you love them. This kid knows that you will always be truthful with them. And they might ask you a question like six years old. Hey, well, there'll be a shooter at my school today, mommy or daddy. And oh, you, know, you want to tell your kid, oh, no, that would never happen. But if you do that and it did happen, you fracture trust. So yep. when your kid lays a question on you like that and you don't have the answer, you don't have to answer. You look at your kid and you say, I'm sorry, I just don't have any words for that answer right now but I'll figure it out. And then you and I will sit down and we'll talk about this. And then you go and research out the answer. And the answer you would give them is, well, nobody really knows the answer to that problem, but we're doing everything we can to make sure that'll never happen here. And together we're pretty strong. So we always think we have to have an answer. You don't, as a parent, you can look at your child and say, I don't have any words for that answer, but I'll figure it out and we'll talk later. And then you go and find an expert who can help you. Um, also when kids do things that I, I think our problem solving skills are really fractured because it seems like if, if there's cause and then there's effect and we're really, we get the causes, but we're kind of shaky on having the effect happen. You know, kids need to realize that if they do good things in the world, good things happen to them. But if they make bad choices or poor choices, they have a consequence of some type. If you run a red light, you could get a ticket, you could get injured, okay? Um, so you might have to have a consequence, not a not just punishment, but, you know, this is more a consequence on teaching your kid how the world works, uh, where, you know, this is a good one from Love and Logic Parenting. Uh, the kid was asked to mow the lawn by Monday. And it was Thursday and the dad said, I need you to mow the lawn by Monday. And then it was Saturday and says, make sure that lawn's mowed by Monday. And Monday came and the kid didn't mow the lawn. So the dad took his longboard and he took it to the pawn shop and hawked it and took the money, paid the neighbor boy to mow the lawn. Then when the kid needed his longboard, he handed him the ticket and said, you have to get it out of hawk. <laughs> um, because the, um, you know, because I had to use that money to pay the guy to mow the lawn because you didn't do it. So kids, we set kids up for expectations. We need to make sure that the consequences align with those. And if you need a consequence, you can, you know, you can always ask your kid, what do you think a good consequence for this is? Because you definitely need a consequence for this behavior because I need to teach you that the world doesn't work like that. And you'll be surprised. Sometimes they're harder on us then. Now, don't ever make your consequence hurt you. 
because once I might TV away from my for about a month and I almost died. It was terrible. <laughs> that is <laughs> way too long. Maybe you think, oh, yeah, I, it was terrible. And I just, I was like, this is punishing me, not them. And, and, you know, I say, oh my gosh, my bathroom needs to be cleaned here. Knock yourself out. Now it's not going to hurt that child to clean the bathroom. That might not be their typical task or job, but all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, I'm doing this because I made a poor choice. We want to teach our kids to be the flippers, not the pinball. Mm. And there's a really good video. It's called Mama Polar Bear Saves Cub. I mean, it's like four minutes long. And it's at the zoo. And nobody teaches our kids how to struggle better than the Mama Polar Bear. Because a polar bear falls in the water. And most moms, if your baby is going to drown or dads, you know, you want to rescue your kid and put him on the bank. But the mama polar bear doesn't do that. She jumps in and surrounds the cub and gives him a struggle pond. She doesn't touch him. She just surrounds her body. So he's between her and the deep dark pond. And she talks to him and tells him, you know, how to get out. And the minute that he gets out on himself, she goes down the side of the bank. So when he turns around, he doesn't think she helped him. He realizes he did it by himself. Oh, that's that's yeah. mother nature at its best, you know. So um, in order to allow our kids to struggle uh, at home, that's probably the hardest part of being a parent. I I had my son, uh, we do, you know, made sure he had everything and he never tried too hard in school because it was so easy and he was a pretty good athlete and, and we just provided for him. And when he was studying for medical boards, he got in a problem with not sleeping enough and he lost his ability to sleep and he never struggled because he was struggling to do well on this boards test and he didn't have struggle skills because I never taught him to him because I was just there always giving him all he put. I write books on boogers and he was studying for medical boards and there's no way he could I could help him. And it was very, very scary for him and for us. So, and that was sleep deprivation caused anxiety and depression mm-hmm. because he didn't know how to struggle. So, oh. you know, you need to teach your kids to fail in a safe environment so that, and get out of that safe environment by the, that, that symbolic bear video is just huge for parents because you know, it's kind of, if this happens, then that's going to happen. And then if that never happens, the kids just kind of float through life and they, they become the pinball, not the flipper. I love that line. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the fact that I love that I'm not at school with my kids. I tell them this, um, they're dealing with so many teachers and students and all these different personalities and figuring things out on their own. And they'll tell me about their struggles and we'll talk about it, but I'm like, I'm not there. Like, I can't help you. We can talk about it, but you're, you're at school on your own. You have to figure right. it out. You know, and, and always our kids will get in situations where they shouldn't like your high schooler. will you know, we had a thing with our kids this you know, if you get to a party and there's something there that is not what you want to be affiliated with, then you text me 266. I'll call your phone and I'll make up a bogus excuse. Aunt Martha had a heart attack or something. I have to leave to go to the hospital. You need to come home now or I need to come and get you. 
And then he hung up his phone and say, oh man, my mom, blah, blah, blah. So he gets out of the party without messing up his peer relationships. And my my end of the deal was I was never, ever allowed to ask who was there and what they were doing. And that was set up way before. And I respected the fact that my kid got out of a situation that was sticky, that he shouldn't or she shouldn't be in. And I have three kids, each of them used it twice. They probably should have used it 10 times, but at least they used it twice, you know? So I'm, I'm making a note. I made a note of this, by the way. <laughs> these are things that you talk about your kid, you know, the problem solving has a lot to do with <clears throat> before it happens. Um, and, you know, you can coin phrases with kids because every person that a kid deals with has to have three things. They have to be seen, they have to be heard, and they have to feel validated. And when a person doesn't get one of those three things, then they're after you for something. So, a, you know, a coin phrase everyone can put in their back pocket, I can only imagine how frustrated you must be feeling, or I can only imagine how happy you must be feeling, or, you know, so that's kind of a... A lot of problem solving skills you set up before the issues. And you talk to your kid, you say, what are the some of the problems, things, the struggles that you face and you know, situations you don't know how to deal with something. If you get in a situation and you don't know how to deal with it, I mean, in, in the world we live in, one in four children will be sexually approached online, um, right under your roof. And um, so there's some red flags that you can set up before before this happens i mean this happens you know they have sometimes the preps the perps have like the same profile as your child and they say everything your child needs to hear and they're in their social streams and they have the same friends and then they convince your children to hey send me a kissy face and i'll send you one let's pretend we're drinking beer but we'll just take a picture of it and then we won't really do it we'll just pretend and and you send me one and i'll send you one then they'll say, hey, send me a crotch shot. And your child will say, no way. Well, then I'm going to take this picture of you drinking beer and I'm going to send it to all of these people and I'm going to out you and I'm going to tell all you, you know, you're going to get kicked off the, the team because obviously you're partaking in alcohol. And so the kid's trapped. Um, there was an instance with a young man who was, we, we have this rule that if it's covered up by a swimsuit, you never take pictures of it and send it online. It's the swimsuit rule. It's real simple because that's mm -hmm. often online. So this young man got caught up. He was sending body parts to, he thought a young lady. And that's the thing now with, you know, kids. Um, and it turns out that the young lady was really a Nigerian 42 year old guy and told the young man to, um, to clean out the, their his parents' bank account. And if he didn't, he would send all of his pictures to all the kids at school and his parents. And uh, the young man ended up um, taking his own life because he didn't want his parents to not have any money. He didn't want to shame them. He knew what he had done is wrong. And he was so embarrassed that he the only way out was to take his own life at 13. So there's a situation where child is faced with an adult problem and a kid's skill set so we talk to our kids long in advance before that with these problems first of all if you're ever online 
never, ever, ever take pictures of anything under a swimsuit and send it because once it goes out, you have no control. What if you send it to your best friend and your best friend says, oh, I won't share it. I won't share it. And it's sitting on his counter and his brother comes along and sees the picture and shares it with all his friends. Can you control that? So we have this book called Cellphony and it says, feel free to take pictures and send them to others, but make sure your pictures are clean. If they can't be displayed on a billboard, they should never come across your screen. Um, Such a good advice. Oftentimes um, these perps will ask your kid to go to a different platform. They'll say, there's too many people on this platform or we should go to this more, this is a more intimate platform. This is a more fun platform what they're doing is taking the kids off of the radar webs and putting them into a, an unsecured web line. And so if anyone ever asks your children to, um, you know, to change platforms, that's a big red flag. So you talk to your kid way in advance about that. No one should ever ask you to go to a different platform because you know what, you could get trapped. And if you're ever, no one has the right to make you feel uncomfortable online. And I don't care what you think you're, you know, we will never, ever get mad at you if you come to us because someone tries to trap you online and make you do something you don't feel okay with. That's a trap. And we will never, ever get mad at you regardless of what that is. And you set those little things up way in advance. And a lot of that can be um, totally eliminated by, you know, screens in the bedrooms. Um, you know, you might think that you are uh, sleeping and your child is up playing video games online, like setting their alarm at two and playing until six and then going back to bed and then wake, letting you wake them up. Why are you doing that? Well, if I don't play, I don't have any friends at school because I'm really good and I'm on this team. So they're, you know, if everyone in their family charges their screen, in a different room at night from 11 to six, then a lot more healthy people would, would, because when the screen wakes you up, even if it's just to check the weather, your brain doesn't do its cleaning at night and gets all colloded and stuff. So that's, you know, and then sleep deprivation causes increased levels of irritability, increased levels of anxiety and increased levels of depression. So picture just this, this irritability issue. If people are sleep deprived, everybody's irritable. So you say, oh my gosh, did you see that dress? And they hear, oh my gosh, did you see that dress? You know, so people are, they have a disconnect from the very beginning because they're sleep deprived. Oh yeah. Anxiety, <laughs> depression, irritability. I'm miserable when I don't sleep. <laughs> So, okay, we've talked about so much. I've taken so many notes. You're, you're chocked full of so much advice. Um, this is amazing. I want to talk about positive parenting because I want to know what, what I want us to explain to everyone what positive parenting is because I love that term. Well, you may have been raised in a very negative environment. Like, you know, if, if you do this, you can't do that. So, uh, you know, you have to do your homework or you can't play video games. Um, how about this? You get to do your homework so you can have free time. Never call video gaming a thing. Because if you say, if you clean your room, you can play your video game. You're giving it a money valid, valid uh, commodity. You say, hey, if, when you clean your room, not if, um, 
you get to, uh, you can have free time. And when you tell a kid what they have to do, they use <laughs> one eighth of their brain. Okay. Yeah. When you tell a kid what they get to do, seven eighths of their brain comes out. Hold on. I'm going to take a picture. Put that back. <laughs> I want to take a picture of that. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. So today you get to clean your room. You get to put stuff where you want to, and you get to put, you know, do it whenever you want to because it's your room versus you have to clean your room today. I mean, nobody likes to be told what they have to do, but we all like to be told what we get to do. That's an example of positive parenting. Would you, as a parent, like to hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? Or could you, you know, think about when your mom or dad has said stuff, they were probably negatively parented, or parented out of fear. You know, this will happen to you if you do this. So we were like, ooh. <laughs> and now, um, Sometimes when your kid does something that's just awful, say, wow, that, that's really draining my energy. <laughs> that's an energy drain. Or they try to get in your face and argue with you. You cannot argue with a person that's not there. So you know what? I can only, you must be really frustrated. I'm really frustrated. I don't deserve to be talking to you right now. You deserve some space. Oh, Versus I love shut that. You deserve some space right now versus shut your mouth. I don't want to hear that. See what I'm saying? I think you deserve some space of your own for a minute. And then also the, the word but versus and. Never say but. Kid wrecks your car. You know, you wrecked my car, but I still love you. Okay, well, then I'm off the hook for wrecking your car. You wrecked my car and I still love you. So you're recognizing what they did wrong and you're throwing the and in there. That's um, very powerful. It's all about our word choices. It I is. like this. So, and and sometimes there are no words and, and it's easier, it's better when you don't have any, when you only have negative thoughts to look at your kid and just say, I don't have any positive words, so I need to go away for a while. I'll come back and we'll talk about this, but. And, you know, because it's very hard to parent positively if you've been parented negatively. It's kind of like you imprint how you should parent. But we found that with kids today, because if they're not going to get what they need from you, they get it from this. Mm -hmm. um, that you need to establish that trust and communication with them. And we have to communicate differently with kids today. I, these books have been around for 17 years. Every time a book of mine goes to print, it gets adjusted a little bit because how we talk to kids now is not how we talked to kids 17 years ago. Kids change, people change. We have to change along the way. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> I have two middle school daughters and their insecurities just make me so sad. And I know they're not alone. And I know kids suffer from so many insecurities. Can you help us? What can we do to help our kids with their insecurities? Well, I had a, my niece was 11 and really tall and geeky and she didn't think she was good at anything. And so and this costs money, but I went and had her makeup done professionally and then had a senior picture shoot at the age of 11. And she had all these beautiful pictures of herself. Oh. And 
the person thought she was in the 11th grade and I'm like, no, she's 11. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes they have to see the beauty from the outside to see the beauty from the inside. <sighs> now that works for some girls. It works for some boys. It may not work for your kid and it's expensive, but that's a lot cheaper than therapy. It's a lot cheaper, <laughs> you know, than in-house treatment. It's, and you want to raise your child to be confident yet not cocky. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. means, I kind of like, this is a weird analogy, but it's kind of like a hair strand. When you have warm water, the follicles open up so the hair product can go in it. And then when you have cold water, it seals them shut. So when you wash your hair with conditioner, it's warm when it goes in, but then you rinse it in cold water so that the conditioner stays in your hair. Okay. I so didn't know that. It's weird, but a confident kid has open follicles all the time because they can continue to get information. And a cocky kid has closed follicles. Like I know it, I don't need to learn it anymore. That's a weird analogy, but if I always think in things and then it makes more sense to me. No, oh, it's super helpful. I know how rough middle school is. It, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, it's just a hard age, but we're doing our best as parents to help them through every tough stage of life. Well, and when somebody's mean, somebody's cruel, somebody does something wrong and it hurts mm -hmm. your child and you want to just go and pull that kid's hair out, you look at your kid and say, wow. There's some people put on this planet to show the rest of us what not to do. And she's really good at her job, isn't she? <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I'm going to tell them that when they get home today. Well, you'll know not to do that now, won't you? That kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would love to know the best advice you have, have ever given or received. In order to teach children, you must enter their view of the world. Ooh, so how do we do that? Well, books are a great way to do that because you start reading to them and the books have the skills in them and they let you in. But you cannot parent your kids the way, I mean, there's some things you can certainly parent your kids the way you were parented, but you have to understand that, um, They've been given worldly knowledge at very young ages and are faced with problems that we never would have even incurred due to lack of knowledge, mm. of awareness of what's going on. And, you know, the thing is, if they don't fit in with you, there's always a group out there that they'll fit in with. So the goal is to make sure that, yeah, they always fit in at home. I think that's the most powerful advice is, you know, through trust, through trust and communication, you know, figure out a way to make your child feel like they fit in at home. That is so sweet. I've never heard of, it put that way. It takes a lot. Of, it takes time. And sometimes we don't have time because we're putting stuff on Instagram and never <laughs> do this with your kid. When you're on your phone, never do this. You can say, mom, 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 unless you're doing CPR on this phone, <laughs> anything your kids does is more important than that phone. An email, oh. an Instagram, mm. a deadline, it doesn't matter. Your child is more important. 
It used to be <clears throat> when you go in a store, if the person was on the phone or if the phone rang and there was a person there, they always met the person first. And now the phone takes precedence. Oops, sorry, got a call just a minute. <clears throat> That's sad. It is so sad. I know. I know. And we're we're not the best examples. So I have to remember to put my phone away. 100%. Now, you were a math teacher. And I would love to know what being a math teacher taught you about kids, because I'm guessing it made you an even better counselor. <clears throat> You can't teach kids like with math. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have like improper fractions. I had big headed fractions who needed to <laughs> reduce, reduce, reduce. So what it taught me is if you want to teach kids something, you have to tie it to something in in their brain, like mm. distributive property. The seven on the outside of the parentheses is the mom. And the X, the Y, and the Z are the kids. Well, she has to distribute her love evenly to all the kids. She has to kiss all of them because if she only kisses one of them, they'll feel left out. And they can take that story and they can relate it to their, their life and then they never forget it. So mathematics is, is relationship-based anyway. People think mathematics is arithmetic <clears throat> and mathematics there's mathematics in everything we do. It's everywhere. But unless you, there are some kids who are geared that way. They just see it. But unless, so if you're bad at math, you're, you had a, a bad math teacher. You didn't, you're not, no one's bad at math. I mean, you're not, you just haven't found a way to relate it to what's in your brain. Just like I wish I you were my math teacher. What the heck? I taught, well, I taught ski. Uh, and like one day, my my eighth graders and these were the kids; they had given up, you know. So I love that group because one day we did our math like Leonardo da Vinci, and they had to lay on the floor and paint on the top, do their math on the top of the chair, tape it to the bottom. Of the chair. I mean, it was just all these eighth graders on the floor. It was funny, and you That's know, so amazing. they they never knew what they were going to do. But when I taught skiing, you want kids to bend their ankle you want them to bend at the ankles not at the you say bend your knees their butt goes over their feet so you say put a water balloon between the tongue of your boot and your shin let's put an imaginary water balloon there now squish the water balloon and they then they move right see what i'm saying so it's all about tying what you want them to do into their worldview and hooking it to something that's already in there then once it's hooked, then you can put more knowledge in there. But to just shoot knowledge, I tell teachers all the time, you are not teaching stuff to kids. You are teaching kids stuff. That's a Ooh. huge difference. You are amazing. I, I can't believe how many notes I have taken during this interview. I'm like, oh my goodness, this lady is full of so much knowledge. So... I've asked you a ton of questions and you know, I could keep going, but um, tell us what else you want to share that I didn't ask you. Um, gosh, have fun. You have to have, you know, if you have an experience where you, you take a positive event and you burn it to, and you hook it to a positive emotion, then you burn a positive memory in your child's brain. So you need a couple of those every day, every day. 
so that they'll want to be there? Oh, I think I'm going to make my children listen to this interview. That's all I can say. <laughs> so tell everyone where to find your books and where to find you. Um, uh, you can go to Julia Cook online. That's my website. I have a Julia Cook online Facebook page. Um, you can email me off of my website. I kind of work a lot, but I always try to get back to everybody. Uh, the books are pretty much everywhere, but if you want them personalized, you can get them from my website, Julia Cook Online, and there's a place where you can ask how to sign them. You can also go to the website. If you click on buy books, there's a drop-down menu. It says titles and topics, and that has all the titles and what they cover. Um, and don't pay attention too much to the age because it just depends on the kid. For but, sure. Um, we have a big release coming out in January. Watch for that. It's not social emotional. It's called, well, kind of, it's called I'm money and I don't grow on trees. <laughs> and that'll be everywhere in stores on January 2nd, which is blue Monday, which is after we spend all way too much money on Christmas. So uh-huh. <laughs> yep. well, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me. I know how precious your time is and I really appreciate it because I absolutely loved talking to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is Rebecca Green reminding everyone to spend every day laughing, learning, and loving. Thank you for tuning in to the Whiny Palooza podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave a review. I love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.